Don't shoot your eye out, kids, because Santa Claus is coming to town in this very Merry Gilded Films bonus episode. Yippee-ki-yay, mother. Yes, whether you're a Scrooge or a Buddy the Elf, we welcome you back to the Gilded Films podcast for this special bonus episode as we count down our 10 favorite Christmas films of all time. Christian, uh, would you like to introduce our guests tonight? Yes, sir. This is my best friend in the whole entire world. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, straight out of Ohio, it's Toby. Hi, that's me. <laughs> I sometimes mention Toby on here, and it's mostly like, Toby hasn't seen this, or we watched this together. We watch a lot of movies together. But yes, Toby, welcome to the show. Thank you for agreeing to do this. Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah, yeah. Christmas is like, kind of special in my family, so... I feel that. Um, why are you releasing this in, you know, mid to late November? One, so you have time to watch all these movies. And two, because we have a lot of fun stuff coming up. Oscar season. A lot of bonus episodes coming up that we're pretty excited about. Um, but as always, if you could follow us um, on Facebook, Twitter, Letterboxd. Subscribe on Apple iTunes um, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That'd be great. Uh, we really appreciate the support for everybody who's listened so far, especially as we do this bonus episodes because they're a lot of fun. Okay, so we're just going to do this. We're going to go down, start at number 10, count down our top 10 Christmas films of all time. And I'll go ahead and start us off with a film that I've really enjoyed. I think I first saw it when I was like four or five years old. Um, I'm pretty sure Toby is a pretty big fan of this one too, and it is Home Alone 2. Lost in New York from 1992, directed by Chris Columbus. I don't know what the common consensus on Home Alone is. Um, I think like the first one has this kind of like historic status because it was such a box office hit and kind of a classic. But for me, Home Alone 2 is the best of the series. I really love how New York City is kind of employed as a setting in the movie. If we have this, you know, 10 to 12 year old kid who's lost in the big city and kind of makes what he does with it. Um, see the return of Harry and Marv, obviously they're always great. And also some really great supporting appearances from Tim Curry and Brenda Fricker, which I, the relationship between Kevin McAllister and the pigeon lady in this film is great and tugs at the heartstrings every single time. Um, yeah, great to see his resourcefulness. Really enjoy the movie. Love, like, this movie defines what I think of as New York City at Christmas time, um, especially that scene with the big Christmas tree and his mom. And so it's not one that I catch every single year, but it's always a joy when I can. So my number 10, Home Alone 2. Yeah, I, I agree completely with everything you said. But I will, you know, I'll say more later. I will say more later as well. Oh, okay. Nice. Interesting. Yes. A movie that <laughs> looks like we're all going to be agreeing on. Very nice. All right. Toby, would you like to give us your number 10? 
okay, so I chose this one. It's not directly a Christmas movie. It's You've Got Mail, by uh, directed by Nora Ephron, starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. I uh, I really enjoy this movie. It's like it takes place during Christmas and winter, and it's really about you know commercialization and like you know big stores versus small shops and like I really think that's central to Christmas themes a lot of the times. So I really enjoy that movie. And Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks have great chemistry. So it's weird watching that movie like nowadays, how aged it is. It really is. I mean, like, I guess you can still get the you got mail like thing on your phone when you get emails or whatever. But like, that was a huge deal back then. And like the fact that it's also a remake. Like, a remake? Yeah, because we had the corner. And then in the good old summertime, and then you've got mail. There's probably something else in there besides the musical version of it. But no, it's good movie. I didn't even think about that. Oh, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're the one. You're gonna surprise me because I don't know your list. You would not tell me your list. <laughs> good. Yeah, that's a really charming movie. I really love Tom, uh, Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Their team ups are always great. And um, I just watched that one for the first time a year ago. And yeah, I really like that one. Good pick. And like rest Nora Ephron, by the way, because I love Nora Ephron. All right, Christian, you're number 10. Okay, so the way we record this podcast, Brett can't, but I can choose my name on the little audio format. So I chose the name <laughs> for this, Scott Calvin. Who is Scott Calvin? Well, Scott Calvin is a film in my number 10 pick, the santa claus c-l-a-u-s-e as in like a contract directed by john pasquin from 1994 it stars tim allen and it is a disney movie because disney is our lord and savior and it is if you don't know what it's about it's about a guy who accidentally kills santa claus puts on the red suit and it sort of transforms him into santa claus because you gotta have santa claus in the world I enjoy this entire series. The third one is very weird. The second one is pretty good. The first one obviously is a like a it's a childhood favorite and it's carried on through the years. I know that some people don't like it as much, but I mean when you watch it every year and you're just like enthralled with it, it's so great. I don't know. It's something about me. And like every time it opens, I always like that damn song where it's like Christmas is here. Dun, 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 dun. It's like that's the opening. I always associate that mm. with it. I associate Denny's with the Santa Claus. Yes. The Denny's in this, and they're out of chocolate milk. Don't forget, they're always out of chocolate milk. Never been to a Denny's, and I hope I never go to a Denny's. But that's a different story. So no, <laughs> good movie, childhood fave. Go at it. Yes, yeah, so it's definitely a childhood fave for me too. But I will talk about that later. yeah we almost had a uh three-way um pick on this one as well because this was originally my number 10 um it it used to be on my list i watched another movie this year that kind of pushed it right out but kind of spoiler for my honorable mentions it was right there almost made my list tim allen one of my favorite performances from him for sure in this film and in the second film the second one is really charming and enjoyable as well and so Mm -hmm really fun take honestly like for years i didn't understand why claus was spelled that way in the title Dang. i thought it was just like another way to spell santa claus 
And like when I finally watched it as a teenager, I was like, oh, I get it now. I will, I will actually still find myself spelling it like that because it looks right. It, it does. Work. Yeah. And like Christian bringing out the weird fun facts, but originally Disney didn't want Tim Allen to be Santa Claus because of like a prior cocaine arrest in the 80s. Oh. So, but like Home Improvement was a big show. So why not get like our number one star of the time, you know? Yeah. I mean, isn't the whole movie about him basically redeeming himself anyway? So pretty much. Life imitating art, I guess. Life kind imitating art. Cool. Nice pick. Okay. So moving on to my number nine film. Um, Christmas is a really great, I wouldn't call it a genre, but it's a really great film topic for short films, um, which is why this list for me anyways, and I just imagine a little bit for the two of you is probably gonna be a little different. It's going to include some short films. The first one on my list is from 1965, uh, from bill melendez and it is a charlie brown christmas this one was honestly not one that i watched a whole lot growing up um you know i caught it from time to time we watched it my sophomore economics class for some reason and then i caught it again a couple years ago and really um struck me again this time for how it's both mature and um innocent at the same time um, I really like the language that this peanuts use in this movie. Like some of the things they say are just like not what you would expect from a child's vocabulary. And it's really funny in that way. But at the same time, they do maintain that kind of innocence. And the ending is very heartfelt, really tugs at the heartstrings. But I do want to read the the IMDb plot description for this film. Uh, depressed at the commercialism he sees around him, Charlie Brown tries to find a deeper meaning to Christmas. And it's like, wow, that is like a really deep, meaningful idea for a an animated Christmas short, 25 minutes long. So really great movie, um, really great short film. I also highly recommend if listeners, if you haven't listened to the album yet that goes along with this film from the Vince Guaraldi Trio, it's really great. Um, it's longer than the movie itself, but it's worth a listen. I listen like once every year now. So Charlie Brown Christmas, my number nine. Yeah, I like Charlie Brown Christmas too. Um, it's on my list later, but my uh, we watched it every year because my grandma would always call and be like, Charlie Brown is on tonight or it's on tomorrow. So it was just like a pretty cool tradition. Yeah. It seems like one of those that you do, like you see when it's on cable because somebody shows it at least once every year and you got to tune in. Oh, yeah. If it's, if it's a tradition. But. And I will say my opinions for a little bit. Okay. Woohoo. All right. Toby, how about your number nine? Uh, my number nine is White Christmas. Ooh. Now, I, uh, I watch White Christmas every year because I just love the these musicals that have these big dance numbers with like really nice costumes and it just like it's so satisfying and um, it's a simple story but it's really effective to get into like the christmas spirit yeah i just watched white christmas uh yesterday yeah i think yesterday i finished it first time ever um christian 
has a funny story. I, we we can tell a funny story about my understanding of White Christmas um, <laughs> as a film. But yeah, I think it's honestly it didn't quite make my list, but it's one of the most, if not the most, beautiful Christmas movies I think I've ever seen. Between the mm-hmm. costumes and the sets and everything, but Christian, do you have thoughts for now? Wrong. It's not on my list at all. Believe me. So I can speak. <laughs> on it. it is. And excuse me to every fan out there. One of the most overrated Christmas movies ever. Boo. Oh. Like, I will find myself watching it maybe every other year just because I want to, because I like to watch a lot of classic Christmas movies. But there's not like a whole lot that I can be like, oh, this is one of my favorites. Like, I like, Mm -hmm. I love the Technicolor in it. It's what, this division, right? Yes. Yeah. First one ever. Paramount, this division, that's nice to look at. Rosemary Clooney, Bing, the costumes that the girls have, the blue ones in particular, are really nice. But I don't know. I'm just never, like, super enthralled with it. And it's it's not on my list, but Brett, like, you thought that Holiday Inn was sort of a sequel to this. I prefer Holiday Inn to White Christmas. Well, yeah. I thought this was a sequel to Holiday Inn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I prefer Holiday Inn, though, to White Christmas. I mean, they're similar in that they have Bing Crosby and the names, obviously. But, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Oddly enough, I believe it is going to be showing at a theater nearby, and I'm, like, actually wanting to go see it. (laughs) Just because I hear that every year this particular theater does sell out. It's showing. Yeah, like, it's one of those movies. Well, I feel like it would be really good on the big screen because I was like, when I was watching it last night, I was like that shot where they open the shed doors and you see the snow coming down finally. Like, oh man, chef's kiss. Like that shot is amazing. Like a lot of the movie, but yeah, I like that pick. Okay, Christian, what is your number nine? Okay, so I had to think about this one because no matter what, Home Alone of some sort was going to go into this slot. And it turned out to be Home Alone 2. Mm. Ooh. Toby's looking at me like, oh, really? You know this. <laughs> but no. So Home Alone, I'm pretty sure that I have seen Home Alone 2 more times than Home Alone. Because I would always catch this one on HBO. My mom was always watching it. It's, like Brett says, it's sort of the image of Christmas in New York City that you get. Because he gets to experience New York City Christmas. Man, I'd love to do that. The Plaza, the side characters, Tim Curry's my fave, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern in this, um, the Bird Lady especially. I don't know. This is just like a feel-good family Christmas movie, whilst Home Alone to me is more like the kid is home during Christmas, but it, does, it has like a Christmas feel, but this is like extra Christmassy feel. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And plus, I totally forgot like, Donald Trump's in this movie, isn't he? Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so he has like one of the weird, and it's like an okay cameo until the fact that you think about it, and now it's like one of the weirdest cameos in the history of a movie. But yeah, that's home yeah. too. Yeah, that's a good point about it feeling more like Christmassy. I, I, I hadn't thought of that, but I think you kind of pinned down why I like it better than the original. Yeah. Just it, it, it does have that stronger Christmassy feel because of the setting. Yeah. Yeah. Stronger Christmassy feel. And I think overall it just like has more heart. With mm. especially the side characters, like the the pigeon lady, you know. 
that. Yeah, that's true. But, oh, and I also will bring up that I recently watched John Mulaney's New, New in Town, and I told this to Toby when I was watching it, but he has a joke about Home Alone 2, and it basically boils it down to, like, bitch, how are you getting lost in New York when there's signs everywhere? <laughs> And it's like, I mean, I'm obviously not going like, to repeat this entire joke because it's so long and you have to live in New York to understand it. But it's just about like asking for directions and every city person there can tell you like what the bus system is going to do or what the subway system to take and you'll be back to where you need to go. Yeah. Come to think of it though, that's that's a bit of a uh, a misleading tile, title because Kevin finds his way around New York pretty well. Honestly, I mean, if I remember the, right, the first place he goes is like the World Trade Center. <laughs> yeah, and he actually finds his uh, uncle's house or whatever pretty easily. So, yeah, exactly. But I mean, he's super resourceful, obviously. But okay, so my number eight movie Christmas film is uh, yet another short animated film. Um, this is from 1970 from. Jules Bass and Arthur Rankin Jr., better known as Rankin and Bass. Um, am I saying that correctly? Oh, yes, I'm just like... Okay, oh, you gave me a weird look. I was like... Be. <laughs> it is Santa Claus is coming to town. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, when I was little, I was just kind of enthralled by this idea of having this particular origin story for Santa Claus, um, which is where he was this... You know, orphan kid who was found by these elves who went by the name of Kringle and they named him Chris and the way it all kind of fits together. He actually becomes like this fugitive because the mayor of the town doesn't like toys. So he outlaws them, but he sneaks down the chimney to deliver toys. As a child watching this, it was just really interesting to see how everything fit together. Like all the things that I knew that made up this uh, this icon of Santa Claus coming together in this little short film. And so it's really enjoyable. The animation from Rankin and Bass is obviously very recognizable. I love the design of the characters. Um, Fred Astaire and Mickey Rooney provide some of the voice work. So there's some talent involved there, obviously. And some of the songs are really good as well. Obviously, the, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town appears. But there's also this song, um, Put One Foot in Front of the Other. I'm not sure if that's what the actual title of the song is, but the song is really good and really enjoyable and pretty heartwarming too. But it was one that when I was a kid and, you know, um, not so much today because cable isn't what, what it used to be, but every year when ABC family released their lineup for 25 days of Christmas, I would like look it up, highlight when this was coming on, find it on TV guide and make sure that I had it recorded or ready to watch or whatever. So number eight, Santa Claus is coming to town is okay this is gonna be bad because i've only seen this once is this the one with the like the brothers uh no the miser brothers yeah no that's uh the year without a santa claus okay okay all right see i'm bad at this i'm looking all right oh winter warlock okay so it turns out i don't remember this one at all other than fred astaire <laughs> yeah i, I don't astaire. remember this one too well either but I remember it a little bit because of the uh, song that you mentioned. Yeah. That's one of the better parts of the whole thing. Probably my favorite part. That's like when the Winter Warlock like sheds his evilness, I guess. Not evilness, but yeah. I really wish like, I mean, I know Rankin and Bass obviously don't do this because most likely they are dead. 
But I wish we had more Christmas specials like this. Where mm-hmm. it's like a Christmas special, but it's a different sort of tale. And it's not so much based on a movie. Right. Because literally right before, and Toby saw this, right before we got on this podcast, it turns out that How to Train Your Dragon is getting a Christmas TV special. Mm. Like, stop making these Christmas specials based on kids' movies. Make it some, like, Rankin and Bass, Santa Claus is Coming to Town-like stuff. Even though I don't remember this, which is my own fault, because, again, I've only seen this once. But still, yeah. No, I agree, for sure. Okay, Toby, what is your number eight movie? So for my number eight, I actually put um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes. Ooh. So um, I actually put this one because I really find it to be really funny. Like, I don't have a, like, a big family for Christmas, so I'm not really used to like this. Like, There's people all over the house kind of thing. So I always find it really funny and like, I I don't know. And I love the characters, obviously. There's so many, um, like everybody comes together and everybody's so different and the hilarity ensues because nobody knows what they're doing. It seems like it's just, it's really fun to watch. And all the National Lampoons are like pretty funny, so. I agree. This one's very funny and I'm going to save my thoughts on it for a little while. I will also save my thoughts. I will say, I know, I will say, however, that if you get Brett to like quote this movie, he will quote the shit out of this movie. (laughs) I I love it. It's It's hilarious. It's strange, but believe me, listeners, I'm going to make him quote later on. So (laughs) I need to prepare. Okay. Christian, what is your number eight? Okay. So mine is sort of grouped. I got approval from Brett to do this. Mine is TV Christmas specials in general. But my number one is A Charlie Brown Christmas. It is like the shortest, most inspiring thing I have ever seen. I like it much. I love uh, It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. I love, love A Charlie Brown Christmas. There's so much hope and joy in it in such a short runtime like that charlie brown christmas tree that is pretty much dead like it's a dead twig does so much for so little for this one kid and then his friends come together to fix it up for him there's a bible passage in it that comes out of like everywhere like i don't know it's so good but as i said this is like grouped together tv specials all in order so I also have How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Um, great other one. I, I'll i talk about the live action one later. But uh, starring Boris Karloff, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Frosty the Snowman. Yes. Uh, Nestor, Nestor the Long-Eared Ooh. Donkey. Yeah. Good pick. Thank you. So... That is actually a Rankin and Bass also. It's very underseen, but it is on ABC Family Freeform, what have you. Uh, Every year, it is about a Christmas donkey who carries Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Frosty's Return, that's for Zay, because I'm pretty sure Zay likes Frosty's Return. Um, The Year Without a Santa Claus, see the one I remember. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, that's so low. Ooh, and the little drummer boy. Yeah, so that's yeah. It. those are my picks. I had to group them because I couldn't just like put them all separately. That's fair. 
Now, that's a good list. Um, I remember just catching all of those, like on ABC Family growing up. The other one that um, I, you probably wouldn't include on this list because it's not really a Christmas movie, but Rudolph's Shiny New Year with the little New Year baby. I've also seen, a very cute little special. I saw that. I wasn't really a fan. Not a fan. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't know if it holds up. Okay. My number seven film is one that I actually watched for the first time once again a few weeks ago. And it is Miracle on 34th Street, the 1947 version directed by George Seaton. I don't know. When I was watching this and I was like thinking about it, I'm like, this is like just about, even though it's not my number one, it just really defines what a good classic Christmas movie should be. Because it's about really ordinary people in an ordinary city facing, you know, ordinary jobs and whatnot. But it also sprinkles in some magic and joy throughout, too. Much of which delivered by this character, um, played by Edmund Gwynn, who claims to be the real Santa Claus. And so at first, it's, you know, it's pretty harmless. Um, He serves as a Santa for the Macy's store and... Really, it's this kind of interesting comments on, you know, business and competition. He um, he doesn't like serve as this big promotional item for the store. Rather, he if the store doesn't have what the children want, he sends people elsewhere and actually turns into this really um, great marketing tactic for the store. But he gets in trouble. He kind of like bangs someone over the head with a cane. It's actually really funny. Um, and so he ends up facing um, a court where he has this hearing to determine if he really is Santa Claus. And there's this lawyer who decides he's going to undertake the challenge of trying to prove that. Marina Hara is really great in it. She plays this woman, um, the mother of Natalie Wood in the film. Natalie Wood like is really enamored with this guy, but Marine is really cautious about him. But it all comes together in the end, and it kind of serves as this this display of how this one man through his kindness and um, generosity really affected these people's lives. Edmund Gwynn is Santa Claus. Like I'm convinced he's Santa. Um, He's like iconic. One of the great supporting actor performances. He won an Oscar for it. And this was a pretty uh, big player at the Oscars that year, actually won three Oscars and was nominated for best picture as well. So like, how amazing is that, though? Yeah. I mean, like... Yeah. How often do you get a Christmas-themed movie nominated for anything? Which is really weird. Like, for those... Like, for 1946, you've got uh, Wonderful Life. 1947, you have Miracle and The Bishop's Wife, both nominated for Best Picture. And it just makes me wonder, like, why can't we have movies like this anymore? Like, movies that are centered around Christmas, but are not, like glorified hallmark movies are actually like real and thought-provoking and really good films that happen to be about christmas so i need another one to come out like this great movie uh i will save my thoughts oh man yes however i will say that i also enjoy the remake of this movie which is a very controversial topic but it's another case of i grew up with the remake first Mm. Before I got into Miracle on 34th Street, the original film. Yeah. No. Um, I This almost made my list, but I've only seen it once. Mm. So, But I do love that you know Edmund is like obviously 
Santa Claus. And it's just um, definitely a very great movie. And the remake is nice because it's just reflective of, you know, the time it's made. So, yeah. Have you seen the remake? <laughs> yeah. With, yeah, I have. <gasps> I didn't know. Oh, my God. We're watching it this year. <laughs> I like, honestly, I didn't know that. I've seen it, but it's been like a really long time. And it's good. Don't let anybody ever tell you different. You know who's <laughs> in the house? Janny. She has nothing to do with it. She has like one scene, but she's in it. That makes all the difference. Wow. Okay. All right. Toby, what is your number seven? My number seven is a Christmas story, actually. Um, so I've actually seen a Christmas story for a long time. I used I we used to watch it every year, and then I picked it up again. Last year, we watched it as a family. Um, I just like, I, there's so many like parts of it that I can remember. Like, you know, the little shoot your eye out kid and the sticking your tongue on the lamppost and stuff like that. And it's just, um, it's like so iconic Christmas to me. And it's so cool that it's like sort of from the point of a child at Christmas time too, which I like. Have either of you actually seen somebody stick their tongue to a frozen lamppost or whatever? Listeners, I, have... I am raising my hand. <laughs> you have done it? Or did you... Listeners, I have done it. Oh, I've seen this. I've You've seen the seen video. <laughs> yes. I forgot. Totally I've seen this. Yes, I've seen this. When I was in high school, we I was on the video team and we were doing like our end of the year at the time. So the Christmas quarter. So for like our opening skit, we reenacted this the scene from a Christmas story. And they're like, Christian, do you want to be the one to put your tongue on the pole? And I'm like, yeah, why the fuck not? <laughs> I had like the tiniest little slip of paper because I'm like, my tongue is not touching this nasty ass pole. And I did it, and it's so convincing, and it was so fun. So, yes, I have done that. It did not stick, thankfully, because it was not that cold. Because global warming. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Brett, do you have opinions before I say something? Um, I'm saving them. I, I'll, I'll save them. That's what I thought. Well, fun fact, didn't make my top ten. Ooh, wow. Ooh, <laughs> controversial. I mean... <laughs> I like this movie. I can skip it, though, every year if I felt like it. The most times I ever catch it is in the little 24-hour spurts at TBS and TNT shows during during Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, because that's the only time I really push myself to watch it. If I really want to watch it, yes, I'll sit down, I'll put it on, I'll be like, hey, let's do this. But last year I didn't watch it. The year before, I opted to watch the musical version, which is... Again, don't I have weird taste. Don't let anybody ever tell you this, but it is as good as the movie. Oh. Even though it was a total flop for Fox at the time. I don't know. I like me a musical. The movie is fine, like Toby said. Really good from a child's point of view. Ralphie, who is now like an actor, the actor himself. It was in what is it, Spider Man? Yeah. Yeah. He's in the last Spider Man movie. Which is really weird because he's so old and bald. <laughs> and I want to visit the house someday, which I believe is in Indiana. Right? Oh. It's nothing like that. But yeah, I, think so. I don't know. It, this is another movie that's like a cultural staple of Christmas. I know it's not on my list, but that's my own fault. 
for loving other things. And literally yesterday I was at Walmart and they had a pink bunny costume. And I was like, I need this. The reasons I need this, but I didn't because it was expensive. Mm, I bet. Yeah. But no, sorry fans of A Christmas Story, but I shot all your eyes out. Wow. <laughs> wow. Very nice. I'm controversial Christian. That's what they call me. All right. Well, my, uh, or sorry, Christian, it's your turn. Thank you. Yeah, sorry, I about skipped you. Number six. Thank you. Scrooged. Get it? Oh. Number seven is Scrooged. Have either of you ever seen Scrooged? Not in full. Yeah, I have. I have, yeah, I've seen it. Grasping at straws here at last. Scrooge, 1988, directed by Richard Donner. It is a retelling of A Christmas Carol, starring the one and only Bill Murray as our Scrooge. In this case, his name is Francis Xavier Cross, which you would think with like a parody, his name is going to rhyme, but it doesn't. Anyway, he's a TV executive. He's making his employees work on Christmas Eve to Christmas morning by putting up like a really sexy version of A Christmas Carol. Um, He's bad to... I mean, he's screwed. He's bad to his employees. He shuns his family until, of course, the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future come to visit him. And it is a Bill Murray vehicle, so you know hilarity ensues. And honestly, there's another Christmas Carol movie on my list, which we'll get to, but this is the second greatest Christmas Carol adaptation. Wow. And I noticed I didn't even say, in my opinion, I'm just like stating the facts here. I just state facts. I don't state opinions. Okay. Yeah. It, I mean, it, Go for every it. every Christmas Carol movie is fine if you have like some old British guy being like, oh, bah humbug. But when you take Bill Murray, who in the 80s is like a curmudgeon in all his movies, <laughs> and then you like spin this whole story on a TV executive, so he's like a yuppie of the 80s. And it's like New York, the grime of New York City as his ghost. You're going to end up loving it. And for the love of God, Brett, please watch it this year. Fool. <laughs> I'll do my best. I didn't know Richard Donner directed it. That's kind of wild. Yeah. He did Superman, right? Yeah. yeah. Superman, Lethal mean? Weapon. Interesting. Amazing. All right. So um, my number six is one that Toby has mentioned already. And that is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Start quoting. <laughs> As Christian said, one of the most quotable movies ever. I mean, shooters full. How do you like that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> that was very high pitched. Um, <laughs> the scene where um, they're at the dinner table. And Clark is like talking to the children and he's all like, uh, yeah, kids, they talked about how Santa, they saw a sleigh over here and Randy Quaid just like takes him up. And he's like, you serious, Clark? <laughs> if you, I mean, if you haven't seen this movie, you really need to watch it. It's, it's hilarious. It's kind of, I don't know. Some might consider it a dumb movie. I'm not going to pretend it's like got amazing production value or anything like that. But it's funny, and it it really makes me laugh throughout the entire thing. Obviously, Randy Quaid, Chevy Chase as Clark. It's a butte, Clark. It's a butte. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's <laughs> Chevy Chase is hilarious in this movie. I mean, um, the whole family really having this whole idea of like Toby said, what can go wrong will go wrong until it goes right. And it's just completely funny throughout. It's got slapstick humor. It's got all those great one liners. It's one that I can watch with my dad and we'll just both be cracking up the entire time. But aside from all that, an underrated aspect of this movie is that it's actually, there are some moments where it's got some really surprising emotional depth. I mean, I think about the scene between Clark and his niece where she's talking about how Santa doesn't normally come to their house or or she wasn't going to come this year. And then you have the scene between Clark and his dad where his dad's like, yeah, you screwed it up, but we're all here because we love you. And it's, it's really sweet. It's, it's, that's the thing about the movie that I don't think um, a lot of people realize that it's really got a lot of heart to it as well. So Christmas vacation, it's a yearly, it's a perennial watch for me, for sure. I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'll save more opinions in a little bit, but I'm pretty sure that I watch this every year with my mom when we're making Christmas cookies. That's not right. I, I put it on there purposefully too, because I'm like, I know she's going to end up laughing and I'll end up laughing watching this. Because again, like the opening scene of them getting a Christmas tree, but he forgets the saw. So <laughs> they get the tree with their whole root system. And then like even getting to the tree, they have to go underneath like a semi-truck. That's hilarious in and of itself. That inspired a great meme as well. So I love that scene. Where he's like flipping off the camera. Is that what that is? Yeah. Because huh. that guy's trying to pass him and he's like smiling and he's like, flipping the bird (laughs) didn't know that movie has a meme yeah what do you mean okay toby how about your number six oh my number six is elf yes yes i um will ferrell in this movie is like so hilarious and i just love that the way he portrays buddy the elf it's like but he finds the good in everything in life. And that's really like Christmassy, just finding, you know, the positives in life and, you know, uh, finding love and everything. Yeah, I like this movie, but I will save my opinions for a little bit. Yeah, um, I'll say my opinions as well, but I agree. Buddy the Elf, one of the great modern christmas heroes for sure what did the elf what's your favorite color also (laughs) i will just say i didn't see this movie during christmas 2003 when it came out i saw it in like post new year's 2004 when it came out because i don't know i i remember seeing it and it was like after christmas watching a christmas movie it's like whatever i guess i'll never forget because i dropped my sprite that day um, wow. How do I remember things <laughs> like this? I don't know. Okay. Christian, how about your number six film? My number six is Elf. <laughs> oh, okay. Surprise. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Elf. Um, directed by John Favreau. Favreau? Fa- who cares? Uh, he's also had like a cameo in this. But no, like Toby said, Buddy the Elf finds, you know, 
like the bright spot in really everything. He's so naive. And it's weird to think that I don't think any elf is naive and innocent as he is. And mm-hmm. he's not even an elf. He's a human. I love the aspects of putting in the Rankin Bass animation in this. Like, yeah. Uh, what yes. do you call it? Mr. Narwhal, like, bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. And, like, the great journey he takes to get to New York City through all this. Again, we're seeing a depiction of New York City, 2003. I know this is a Christmas episode, but obviously it's a post 9 11 world. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, James Kahn is also really good in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah, for being his dad. Mary Steenbergen. Yes. I butcher her name. Is good in this. Um, she can't sing worth a damn. Zoe De Chanel. Mm hmm. Pretty sure this is like the world's introduction to her, but I she's so. delightful. yeah, she's delightful, and it's like the first instance we get to hear her sing "Baby, It's Cold Outside" with him, and just like their dynamic is cute because she's like, "What the what the hell is happening here?" But at the same time, she's like, "You know what? Maybe I do believe in a Santa Claus to this weird guy." And also, Peter Dinklage gets a nice little role in this. You know, this is like this again. All these movies that I have on my list, and probably the same for you two. Another like childhood slash. I always have to watch this. Like Elf, I always have to watch it. Even in high school, I took a math class that was only from the beginning of the semester until it finished up in November. So like that last month or so, I remember watching this in a couple classes. And I like provided it for everybody because I was the only one who owned the DVD. Wow. Yeah. But it is also a musical, but we don't talk about that because it looks just as good. I didn't even know that. It is also, again, I spoke about this earlier. It has a TV follow-up with Jim Parsons as Buddy the Elf. Wait, really? Yes, it is an animated special. Oh, wait. I didn't know about that. Yeah. And I haven't seen it because the animation just looks weird. Interesting. Yeah. That is Elf. That is one enjoyable movie. It is. Very much. It really is. Okay. Moving into the top half. My number five Christmas film of all time is um, this is actually the basis of Toby's number 10 film. And it is the shop around the corner from 1940, directed by okay. Ernest Lubitsch. Um, I I think this is one of the more underrated Christmas films, probably one of the more unrecognizable ones to a lot of folks nowadays. Uh, but it's it's super sweet, um, really enjoyable early Christmas movie. That you know, it's not that Christmas is the center of it, kind of like with You've Got Mail, but it's this romance that takes place during the season um, between. Characters played by Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Sullivan, who were, you know, lovers at one point in real life, really great friends, lifelong friends um, in real life. (laughs) Uh, But because of that, they have really great chemistry in this movie. I mean, they start out just absolutely hating each other. And what they come to find out is that they are the people who are sending pen pal letters back and forth between each other. Takes place in Budapest. Um but you do get a lot of the Christmas cheer because they spend a lot of time in this shop, the shop in the title, um, working in the same location, a little um, kind of home goods store. It's a really great romance at the center of it. There's a really great scene 
which I think is some of Jimmy Stewart's best acting, um, not the best, but really up there where Margaret Sullivan is reading this letter from her pen pal. Spoiler alert. Stop now if you haven't seen it or if you don't want to know, but Jimmy Stewart finds out that, you know, she is who she is, but she doesn't. And so he's like watching her read this letter, knowing that he wrote it and she doesn't. And just like the look on his face of kind of like loving, oh, loving poignancy of figuring out how to let her know, like, she's not really a fan of me. We haven't really been friends, but I've come to realize that I'm in love with her and she might be in love with me too. And so it's a really sweet movie. It's when I first saw it a couple years ago, I didn't think it would be a perennial watch, but I've watched it for two straight years and who knows, I might just watch it again this year too. So I love it. The shop around the corner, check it out. This movie is so hard to find on DVD. I just got to put that out there. Like, in terms of buying it, like my library has it, but like to buy it, it was very hard to find. Interesting. That's I didn't even think about that. I knew you liked this movie, and I did too. Like the first time I watched it, I loved it. The second time, I'm like, it's good. I like it. I could watch it again. I like Frank Morgan in this though. Oh yeah, like he's I... the best. like for me. They're obviously really great, but it's Frank Morgan who like. He has a good supporting role in this. And Frank Morgan, for anybody listening, is the wizard in The Wizard of Oz. So there's that. Um, His character has a really interesting arc in this. What's that? His character in this movie has like a really interesting arc. He does, especially the dramatic moment, which we won't spoil. Yeah. Yes, when everybody leaves to the night. But I must add that there is a musical version of this, as there is for everything. It's called She Loves Me, and it is more so based off of the shop around the corner than anything else. And it is, oh my god, it is really terrific, I must say. And I'm sure you can find it out there in the world. Brett, I'm going to pressure you to try and watch it this year. <laughs> you too, Toby. I'm going to pressure the hell out of both of you to watch this. <laughs> like, it's, it's, fantastic but no i'm so glad this is on your list brett it's a little curveball yeah toby have you seen it yes i have actually nice yeah okay uh toby what is your number five number five i have uh the santa claus for my number five actually um so yeah i really like tim allen in this the movie i've seen for a long time and i just like the the punny title and it's just like it's kind of funny you know this guy becomes santa claus um it, the idea that santa claus could be anybody kind of thing is kind of cool and i uh yeah that's the weirdest thing is like anybody can be santa claus the only captain <laughs> santa must die <laughs> to, yeah santa must die to become and there's a new santa like what yeah it it just sounds so dark but there's like a couple, like you brought up the punning title. There's a couple puns in this. And the only one though that I can like come up with is when they're climbing the roof to find the sleigh. It's like the Rose, such a ladder company or something. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Because like in the previous scene, when he's reading him the story, it's like there are Rose, such a clatter, but he's like, thinks it's ladder or whatever. That's cute. That is very cute. Not even mention it. And, like, even the sequels, because, Toby, you and I together watched the sequels, what was it, last year? 
I like, like, I think I brought this up when I was speaking of it, but the second one is super good. Mm-hmm. Trying to find um, Mrs. Claus. And the third one is bizarre, but it's still fun to watch. Right. It's like, they're all, all three of them are really fun to watch just because, you know. I don't know. It's like, you, it's like you grow up with the first one, and then the second one comes out, and the third one is like, you know what? Might as well just watch this whole thing. They create a very nice North Pole setting. Like, I really like returning to that setting of the North Pole that they create these Yes. Movies. And again, with the hot cocoa, because I remember the little elf Judy brings some hot cocoa that she's been perfecting for over 400 years. <laughs> That's a good pick. All right. Christian, what is your number five? Mine is Miracle on 34th Street from 19... Ooh. 47. Yes, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is also, I don't know if Brett mentioned it, but directed by George Seaton. Um, but yeah, I really sort of enjoy this movie in that it makes you feel good about not only the spirit of Christmas, but believing in Christmas. Believing in something that may or not be true. Like, we have this feeling that Santa Claus is a real thing growing up until that goes away. But at any point in the magic of Christmas, it could come back. Like, I don't know. I don't remember Brett, you mentioned this, but Natalie Wood's character doesn't really believe in a Santa Claus anymore. Mm-hmm. And she's only like, what, seven years old or so. That's still young for a child to believe. It's not until Chris enters her life that she starts to believe again because he's doing all these amazing things. He's speaking to a little girl in a different language, a language that like nobody really needs to know. I think in the remake, he's used sign language with a little kid, which is still, again, it's like a believing thing. It's like, holy cow, this guy is doing amazing things. And then you have Santa on trial. And in the, I know I'm talking about the remake, but same thing. They're like the same movies to me. But like in the remake, there's like this whole in God we trust thing. And it's like, again, a thing where you don't see it. And yet you have so much of it in you that you have to believe in it. Right. But yeah. It's like Christmas is more than a, is, is more like a feeling than an actual thing. Mm-hmm. And also, I think looking at my list, yes, this is the first one because there's two that I have also seen colorized. Yeah, how is that? So you know what? It's not that bad. Okay. Like, it's very... The colors aren't as vibrant as you would think, and that's obvious because it's not filmed for color. But it's nice to look at just in color. And I think that I've only watched it once. But 1010 would actually watch again and wouldn't have any problems with it. Mm. Yeah. But... Uh, Edmund Gwynn, it like Brett said, is Santa Claus. He's like up there with Tim Allen. Like those are the two Santa Claus to me. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yes, I choose to believe. Okay, my number four, um, appearing for the third time, is Elf from two thousand three. So I, don't, I think John Favreau. I feel like he's he's getting a little bit of static right now because he recently directed the lion king remake which is not it's just not bad i didn't think it was as bad as people said but still not great uh but i i I do think he's a pretty talented big budget director i mean he did elf he's done iron man um oh gosh 
Jungle Book. I do think Elf might still be his best, though. Um, like you both mentioned, like I think it's... I feel like you actively have to try to not be happy while you're watching Buddy the Elf in this movie. Um, yeah. Will Ferrell, like, he sh- I feel like he should be super annoying in this movie, but he's not. He's, like, so fun to follow and be around as Buddy the Elf. Um, we mentioned the cast earlier. I want to make sure we throw in Bob Newhart as Papa Elf. Um, Ed oh, yeah. As Santa. Ed Asner. Kansas native. <laughs> yes. Uh, great additions to the cast as well. And yeah, it's a really um, heartwarming movie. Um, the music, of course, is great. I also really like the Rankin Bass um, animation, especially in the beginning of the film. It really adds to that and kind of a throwback to some of those classics. And yeah, so just some of the way the way Buddy talks sometimes. You know, like, I'm a cotton-headed ninny muggins. He's kind of that like. <laughs> he's got that north pole like it runs through his veins and it's so charming to watch as the movie unfolds and i forgot forgot the kid from a christmas story is in this movie too wait really he's one he's the elf that buddy falls on yes he is yes you're right um the snowball fight scene also hilarious uh (laughs) it's just so fun to watch his like propeller arm going back and forth but i agree it's one that i watch every year i don't even remember the last time i didn't watch this but it's also kind of funny because when this first came out and i was like eight years old it didn't click with me as much then as it does now i don't really know why but it's actually one that's grown on me over time so yeah i agree like it's almost like I found Buddy more annoying as a kid. It's like now it's like you realize or I realize that like he um, he's just happy and it's like he's just trying to make the best of everything. Like I said, it's like really kind of cool and it fits. Yeah. I don't find him as nearly as annoying. Exactly. Same here. This is Will Ferrell's best role. Yes, I agree. Like, honestly. Yeah. Love Will Ferrell this. Okay, Toby, you're number four. My number four is A Charlie Brown Christmas. So yeah, like I said before, my grandma, we didn't really have cable. So it was like, it was kind of a thing where like you watched, you had to watch it when it came on. So we always managed to watch it when it came on like uh, TV. So I, I just love, I just loved it like every year. And I kind of fell out of line with it for a while because I thought it was for kids. But, you know, it's like, it's really not. I love Charlie. I mean, I really identify with him. And it's like, it, like you said, Brett, it's got a really big meat. Like, the synopsis is like really deep, but like, you know, hmm. it's, it's just really cool. It's really, yeah. Yeah. I just, I just realized that I wake up every morning when my alarm is set to Linus and Lucy's theme. <laughs> Well, Which is from this, like do 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 do, slamming down on my phone each morning, hearing that damn song. <laughs> but no, say the name of the composer because I'm going to butcher it. You got it, Brad. Uh, Vince Guaraldi. Thank you. Hey, yeah, the score in this is really good, and like Christmas song. 
Linus here. Again, that, the Lucy and Linus thing, I think my aunt bought the record to this and I put it on last year when we were eating Christmas lunch or whatever. But no, that's, it's a solid, solid fourth. Yeah. Like, I don't think anything can compare to it. And Toby, this year, I'm going to text you and be like, watch Charlie Brown. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Every day of December. Very nice. All right, Christian, you're number four. <clears throat> this one's for you, Zay. Wherever <laughs> you are. <laughs> Zay's okay, people. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> the Muppet Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. There you go. Directed by Brian Henson, son of Jim. This is the definitive Christmas Carol. Why do I say that? Well, one, it's the best. Again, I only say facts. Two, I have heard that the Dickens estate, the Charles Dickens estate, considers this one of the, not the best Christmas Carol adaptation to get the spirit and meaning of Dickens' original story down. Now again, Muppets. These are puppets telling the story. Michael Caine is our Ebenezer Scrooge. Everybody has around him. Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy, Fonzie are all the supporting characters. There's great songs in it. Uh, there's great heart. Kermit has a really nice song. It's like one more sleep till Christmas. I don't know. I just get like sock, like chock full of emotions watching it. Um, and I think the most emotional aspect of it is it is the first Muppet movie that was done after Jim Henson's death, mm. which makes it a lot more sadder when you think about it. But at the same time, it's the Muppets doing what they do best putting on a show, making you feel good about yourself and about life. Told to yes. us one of the most like life-changing stories ever written about Christmas. So, Right, like the, one of the most iconic Christmas stories. Yeah. And like, I really like this one too. I've only seen it the one time though when we saw it. Mm-hmm. So I really need, I really want to watch it again this year. Oh, believe really me, good you will. <laughs> so. oh, believe me, you will. We have Disney Plus now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I love this one. Um, I hadn't seen it for years, and I finally watched it again this year. Um, yeah, Michael Caine is just great. He's the best Ebenezer Scrooge, Scrooge I've seen. Uh, the great Gonzo and Rizzo the Rat as the narrators are just perfect. Perfect addition to the story. Oh, I forgot uh, Gonzo was supposed to be Charles Dickens in this. Yeah, yeah, Charles Dickens. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but yeah, I love the way it all comes together. I do like, like, unpopular opinion. I do like Jim Carrey's animated version of the of Christmas Carol. Okay, but this is over. This is over. We're done. Here. <laughs> but <laughs> the Muppet one is definitely the best. Uh, I agree, definitely. So nice pick. Wow, I'm shaking with that <laughs> statement. You know what? What can I say? okay my number three another one that has been mentioned before by toby um controversial christian didn't put it on his list Uh, but it is from 1983 bob clark's a christmas story okay um yeah i i really love it it's it was one that i actually kind of moved away from for a few years and didn't hold as in high regard but a couple years ago i revisited it again 
and was just really struck at the way it gets into the mind of a child, as you mentioned, Toby. I mean, hearing Ralph's narration, um, obviously coming from the voice of adult, but his narration of what he's thinking as a child, the little daydreaming spells he has as a kid, it just really captures that feeling, especially around Christmas time. Um, movie takes place in 1940, and aside from there being like no really... <laughs> narrative on world war ii that i can think of in the movie i think it really kind of interestingly presents the era you got the little orphan annie thing going on over the radio you've got the wizard of oz characters at the mall um and so it all kind of comes together in that way but it's really funny how well this movie works because it is literally about a kid who wants a bb gun for christmas like <laughs> that's the center of the plot you would not get away with a plot like that this year <laughs> no, no. No. like you'd have so many people going oh my god this kid wants a gun in this movie <laughs> like walking phoenix is shaking yeah but um I saw an article, I think a year ago, but like how this movie is so great because it's almost like the anti-Christmas movie in that Christmas is not like presented as totally joyful. Everybody's kind of like the parents are always pissed off in the movie. Mm -hmm. Ralph is always getting into trouble, but it's still so enjoyable and it does end with a kind of redemptive quality to it and that joyful feeling. Um, yeah. But yeah, it kind of covers just the weird, the weird happenings of a family over the Christmas season. Um, which is another reason I like it because it's not just centered on like Christmas itself. It's kind of covering like a few weeks during Christmas season and what that feeling is like back then. So, yeah, yeah, I really like that. You know, yeah, Christmas isn't always perfect, but you know, at the end of the day, Christmas comes around and it's, you know, it ends, you know, perfectly fine. But like, mm -hmm. you know, to get there is not always perfect. Exactly. Sometimes okay. the dogs steal the turkey. Right. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure that if you're listening out there, Zach Ward, who plays Scott Farkas, the mean kid, pretty sure me on Twitter. Oh, okay. So I, yeah, right. I don't know how that happened. That one. I don't know how that happened, but it's like a thing. So, okay. So we're going to tweet at him when this is all published. We're going to tweet at him and be like, hey, listen to this. We're going to talk about you. <laughs> Go for it. It's for free, though. We can't pay you. <laughs> oh, but one more thing. Melinda Dillon is really good in this movie. Um, I really and, like her performance as the mother in this movie as well. So Yeah. And That's a good point, too. Also, the cultural staple of this movie in terms of that damn leg lamp. <laughs> yes. Like, there is a house in our neighborhood that actually has one of those each Christmas that put they put in the window. That's great. Yeah. There you go. And like, Brett, you know the store Hastings. Mm -hmm. They do at Christmas sell like a shit ton of Christmas story memorabilia and it was always the leg lamp. Yes. For Gile. <laughs> Must be Italian. <laughs> Lord. So funny. Yeah, Christmas story, number three. Toby, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, 1964. I uh, It's another, like, Charlie Brown. I watched it every year as a kid, and I stopped watching it for a while, again, because I thought it was, you know, just more for kids, but 
I really love the, you know, the misfits, obviously, you know, misfits fit everywhere. You know, I love misfit toys and Rudolph's a misfit, but everyone has a place and everyone has a reason. And that's just really Christmassy and delightful. The songs are great. And I love the, just the look of it. So. Mm-hmm. I hope actually, I don't think it was until up a few years ago that I had never seen Rudolph in full. Oh, yeah, yeah. Huh. I always claimed that I had seen it, and I guess if you put together like choppy moments, I probably had seen it. Right. But, I mean, I never say that I could see it, and that's why it's when I was reading off my list, it's a little bit lower than everything because I don't have much of a connection to it, but I still like it. Like it's very mature for a one-hour TV special, too. Mm-hmm. And especially yes. like the elf who wants to be a dentist instead of a working elf, you know? <laughs> no, I kind of connect with that. I mean, I had seen it in full before, but it wasn't like growing up, it wasn't a perennial thing for me because it, I don't think they really showed it on the, the ABC family thing. You know, it was always on like um, the actual on, ABC channel. On CBS. Like yeah. Or CBS. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it deserves a lot of credit because correct if i'm wrong this is like the first rankin bass holiday special if i remember right i think so yeah because it's 64 you said mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that's pretty early so is there's a lot of credit for kind of like starting that trend which has produced so many great um holiday specials and this is definitely one of them so and shout out to burl ives for giving us a really lit song yes I'd say the only version of Rudolph that I like, like it's just his voice, you know. Yeah. Okay, Christian, what is your number three? Okay, mine is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes. And um, I have a big family, <laughs> so I really connect to this on a personal level. Toby can understand because it seems I always text Toby during Christmas or Thanksgiving when I'm like, I need to escape from these people. Yes, I've heard it all. Yes, he's he's heard it and more. Because sometimes <laughs> having a large family, you get very tired of people very easily that you just need to exit from the room and scream in a bedroom or something. But so I connect with that. Again, like I said, my mom and I watch it whenever we're making Christmas cookies. We laugh. My dad and I have seen it in a theater. It was pretty packed theater too. And it's really nice listening it listening with people hint hint brett (laughs) they're showing it this year um but no i think i've said everything i wanted to say with it except i can i quote my favorite line from the movie i know what it is i bet i know what it is okay let's see where do you think you're going Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun old fashioned family Christmas. No, no. We're all in this together. This is a full blown four alarm holiday emergency here. We're going to press on and we're going to have the hap, hap, happiest Christmas since Bing Crosby tap dance with Danny fucking K. And when Santa sees his fat white ass down that chimney tonight, he's going to find the jolly bunch of assholes this side of the nut house. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I couldn't do that. That was not what I thought it was, actually. No. It was. Hey, Gris, if you're not doing anything constructive, run in the living room and get my stogies. See, you know that, and I don't know that. <laughs> and Toby's just sitting here like, what the hell are these two doing? 
<laughs> no, that is like my favorite line in this whole movie. And also, I must point out, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and whoever is playing her husband in this movie as the neighbors who have to endure all this bullshit from the Griswolds next door. <laughs> like, kudos to them. That is literally, again, with the family thing, that is my family's neighborhood on Christmas Day when it's like every house has maybe one or two cars and we have like six cars circling the house, like trying to find a parking spot. Where you plan to put a tree that big? Bend over and I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> so inappropriate but so funny as well yes okay so my number two is yet another animated short film really just the epitome of that category for me and that is from chuck jones and ben washam number 1966 how the grinch stole christmas yeah just 25 minutes of great animation just distinctly memorable and nostalgic joyful christmas viewing every year um i whoever whosever decision it was to hire to bring on boris karloff to voice the grinch and the narrative of this film is a genius like i just can't imagine anybody else voicing the character um for that film obviously we've had new renditions now but it's not the same it's obviously not the same um the music really takes me back. I think they use um, You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, really well throughout this. They kind of implement it with the action of him stealing Christmas, and it really flows really nicely. And, of course, the songs that are sung by the people of Whoville, just really memorable and really great. And the animation is so bright and colorful. And you really do. Um, he's not a character that's, you know, has a lot of dialogue in this version, but you really do grow to understand the Grinch a little bit as he begins to understand himself, the value of Christmas and the true meaning behind the season. And it's just a wonderful film. I mean, I, I'm sure when I was like eight years old, I probably had the book and this memorized because it comes straight from the book. Um, it was always my favorite Dr. Seuss book and they turned it into a really, really great animated short film. So I love it. Yes, I love this one too. It's hard to well, it's not, it's it used to be kind of hard to watch, only because this is Christian Gaming with the technical aspects because different networks own this. So it used to be on TBS and then it's NBC and now it's ABC and it's like whatever. But no, another great Christmas short. Highly agree with you, Boris Karloff. Amazing in this. Yeah, great voice work. And I mean, just for like 25 minutes, like I love the other Grinch movie, which one? Only time will tell. But <laughs> for like a 25 minutes, you get the whole scope of that story in this and like the, the meaning of it that Dr. Seuss intended. So, yeah, I agree. And I really do. I like the I really like the Jim Carrey version as well. It has its own really unique values and it's great. Um, the animated classic is just the one that stands above all else for me. Mm hmm. Okay, Toby, let's hear your number two. So for my number two, I uh, went with a true classic, and um, it's a wonderful life. Mm, yes. I, uh, you know, nineteen forty four. I mean, forty six. Um, I mean, I even grew up watching this. Um, I didn't watch it nearly as much. I watched, you know, every few years, but you know, it's just a classic tale of 
everybody everybody's life has meaning and you just have to find it even if it's seems small it's really not it's just you know classic christmas definitely and you know one of jimmy's well his best role i think in my opinion so i will save i will save my full opinions okay (laughs) i will also say that this is a musical And I believe that this is going to be like a on Broadway type musical, but I've seen the musical and believe me, it does not need to be a musical. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I love It's Wonderful Life. It's like Christmas essential. You have to watch it every year. Um, I watched it on Christmas Eve last year. Can't miss it. It's Jimmy Stewart is amazing. I love that movie so much. it's I love that people watch it every year. I will say this. I, I love it that people watch it every year, especially if you can get it on Christmas Eve. I myself hate watching it on Christmas Eve. Only because it's hard to watch it on Christmas Eve with such a big family. Mm, yeah. Nobody That's will shut up. Yeah. But I have seen it in theaters with somebody in this podcast. Yes. Okay. Uh Christian, what is your number two? My number two is Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, directed by Ron Howard. (laughs) Oh. Um, So this is, other than The Santa Claus, which I remember watching as a kid, this is a Christmas movie that I watched the most as a kid. I remember seeing it opening night of 2000. We were in a sold-out crowd. Somebody from the management of the theater, told us all to scooch in because it was going to be sold out. You watch it, you laugh, you're like amazed by it. Jim Carrey's makeup is phenomenal in this. Jim Carrey is phenomenal in this. His best role, or one of his best roles, his best like family-friendly role, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, Ron Howard's best movie. <laughs> Sorry, Ronnie. Um <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. This is it's a very mature film in that it is very adult. And you don't realize that as a kid. Like there's a lot of humor in this that as a kid I'm surprised I understood because now I'm like, wow, that's kind of scandalous. And I like how it also yeah. extends this story, obviously, because it's near two hours long. So they have the whole uh who who bration or whatever, the celebration of the who's that's extended. You get a backstory to the Grinch that's cute, but also, of course, tragically sad. You get Jim Carrey doing a really fun version of your mean one, Mr. Grinch. Yeah. And you have what's possibly my favorite line that I used to be known for in high school. Which is? (laughs) It's the never those who's invited me down there on such short notice. Even if I wanted to go, my schedule would never allow it. One o'clock, wallow in self-pity. 4.30, stare into the abyss. 5, five o'clock, straw world hunger, tell no one. 5.30, just as eyes. 6.30, dinner with me, I can't cancel that again. 7 o'clock, I put myself loathing. I'm booked. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Thank you. You may pay me my royalties. Uh, yeah, uh, Jim Carrey should have been nominated for an oscar for this thank you honestly 
because like to take a character like that which we've talked about boris karloff i mean that's that's iconic in its own right but jim carrey totally did his own thing with it he made the grinch like wonderfully wacky um and just fun to follow cindy lou who is adorable um and yeah uh baby grinch walked so that baby yoda could run let's just say that all right we're I gotta, mm, 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 I gotta end this podcast right here. <laughs> oh man! Possibly the weirdest line to come out of Brett tonight. <laughs> but that's true, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know it. God. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, Mariah Carey singing. Where are you, Christmas? AKA the Christmas banger of the two thousand. Excuse me. The Faith Hill erasure. Oh, oh God! <laughs> okay, so fun fact: Mariah Carey was originally intended to sing "Where Are You, Christmas." Okay, uh, I got you. Okay, okay. Confused. That makes okay. sense. I'm sorry, Faith Hill. We love <laughs> you. I love you in your song. Where are you, Christmas? And also your bop. Where are you, Christmas? <laughs> Oh boy, we're gonna get that in the comment section <laughs> from Zay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so moving on to the top of our lists. Ooh, here we here go. My number one, one that's been mentioned fairly recently. I figured it would probably be near the top of all of our lists, but I couldn't not put it at number one. It's essential. It's Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life from 1946. I think it's just so easy to fill a connection to George Bailey, played by Jimmy Stewart. I mean, he's this guy who who, he has a lot of ambitions, a lot of goals, very well liked. He could do a lot with his life, but he cares so much about other people and doing the right thing for other people that so much of his life gets put on hold. And because of that, he's not, you know, he's not as happy as he should be. He's not often able to see the great things he does have in his life. And so leave it to Clarence the Angel to kind of show that to him in a really, really remarkable way. This is like, I think, you know, it's one of those movies when you think about Christmas movies, you think of It's a Wonderful Life, and which is really awesome and kind of strange because not very much of it takes place during christmas or the christmas season yeah you know at least the first half of the film um does not take place during that time but i think you know it's that the themes in this movie could exist even if it wasn't set during christmas but adding in that element just makes it that much more impactful and meaningful um the line at the ends to my big brother george the richest man in town that just gets me like right through the heart every single time um, as we've gone through this journey with George Bailey. And as you see him run through the streets, he's got his life back and he's happy with what he has. And he's saying Merry Christmas, everybody. It just, it's, it's such a joyful thing. Um, but it's a wonderful life. It's a really special movie to me. Again, I make sure to get to it every year. It's actually a top five movie of all time for me personally. Um, and yeah, Christian and I saw it in the theater together a couple years ago and it is, I would also say like one of my favorite theater going experiences ever as well. Just to see that on the big screen and get to take it all in. It's pretty amazing. 
so. bought a ticket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you get the chance, go for it. Um, you won't be disappointed. Yes, definitely. I'll save my views. All right. Oh. Ooh, spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Toby, you're number one. So my number one, you both have mentioned it, and it is also like top five movie of all time for me. It's Home Alone 2. Like I debated Home Alone or Home Alone 2, but Home Alone 2 is definitely more Christmas movie. Uh, there's something about that final kind of like scenes where Kevin's mom finds him. She just like realizes, oh, I know exactly where he is. It like, it just gets me every time. And then when he gives the turtle doves to the pigeon lady, it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something special about the, those scenes. And it's just like some of my favorite scenes in movies in general. I just love it. Haven't you told me that this is like a very personal film to you also? Oh yeah. I mean like, I can watch it any time of the any time of the year, because um, my grandma and I used to watch it like all the time, like several times a year. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's awesome. very special. It's such a good movie. I want to watch it this year. I'm not sure yeah. if I watched it last year. Did I? No, I think we just watched the first one. Yeah, I think we did. Just us talking about it, yeah, it just makes you want to turn it on after this and yeah, see it's Kevin like, do his thing. And plus, like one Christmas, I want to actually go to New York. Like, I don't know what they exactly do there in terms of New York Christmas, other than like Rockefeller Center being all pretty and like Radio City right. Musical. But I don't know. Maybe I'll just maybe we'll just like hang out in the plaza, eat some pizza. <laughs> and Sounds good. I can. Toby, I'll, I'll ditch you in the middle of Central Park and you'll be lost in New York. <laughs> and, then I'll, and then you'll like be walking and I'll turn around and I'm like a bird lady and you'll be like, what the hell? <laughs> this is not what I wanted. <laughs> I sometimes wonder what what did Kevin McAllister grow up to be? Right, exactly. <laughs> like With his resourcefulness, I'm like, if he wanted to grow up to be a career criminal, he could have totally done that. And that would be hilarious. <laughs> it was like live action Bart Simpson. That's true. Oh, good comp. Toby, Toby and I have been watching The Simpsons, and it's like, just thinking about it, it's kind of like the Bart Simpson of that era, you know? Yeah. Very nice. like that comparison. And I mean, man, that kid, he makes so many traps. Like, how did he not kill the man? <laughs> Right. Exactly. Okay. Christian, let's hear your number one. Take us home. My number one is 1946 Masterpiece. It's a Wonderful Life. This is only a Christmas movie, like has like it has been said in like the last 40 minutes or so. But it is the feeling of the film of being together for, well, just being together for another person, for living life to the fullest that makes it such like a heartwarming Christmas movie. It's shown every year during Christmas. We watch it during Christmas. That's how we associate it with. It is a Christmas movie. In 2016, Christian was not having the best time of his life. Um, You can, anybody who follows us on Twitter 
or Letterboxd, you can find my 2016 review of this. It is very sad. Um, things turned out really well. I met Toby, actually, during 2016. One of the best things that ever happened. I met Brett during 2016, also. Like, wow. Two important people in my life. But, yeah. So, very meaningful film. I didn't realize it was going to touch me as hard in 2016 as it does. And it still does, too. But I want to read a line that, thankfully, Brett didn't steal my thunder for. And it is said by Clarence. Strange, isn't it? Each man's life touches so many other lives. When he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? Mm. Compared to the other lines that I've said, which are, like, gigantically long, that is, like, a simple phrase. That's it. And that's all you need to know about this movie, is that if you weren't there, like, what would others do? How would life turn out for others around you? Yes. It's such a great film, and I'm so glad that, like, both of you love it. Both of you have spoken about it. The world can watch it. And it's like, this is the ultimate Christmas movie. Yeah. Right. Like, there's no mention of Santa Claus in it, but damn it, this is (laughs) Well, I mean, it really says something. This this film is 73 years old. I mean, the three of us, we like classic films, but it's 73 years old, and we still, all three of us, have it in our top two Christmas movies of all time, considered right. a masterpiece. I mean, that it, it just has a lot of staying power, and it really is remarkable in that way. Um, yeah, I, I remember your review of it on Letterboxd. It's um, one of your best reviews, in my opinion. Um, really captures what the film meant to you and what it was about that time. And so that's another reason I really like doing this list because um, one thing I've noticed is we've gone through our top films for each of us. They really all have very deep personal meanings to us. Um, and they're very special because they're things that, you know, they, they really only, you know, we can watch them at any time, but they really work best, you know, in one or two months out of the whole year. And so there's something to look forward to every year. So Definitely. Okay, so part of the yeah, go for it. This is the part of the movie where the Muppets all start singing, "The joy we share (laughs) during Christmas." Go on. (laughs) So, um, I'm sure we all have some honorable mentions, some films that nearly made our list. I've got five or six here. Um, I know most of these appeared on your list as well. White Christmas, The Santa Claus, Home Alone, uh, the first film, Muppet Christmas Carol. Another one, I I don't know how this is going to land. The animation is kind it, it's kind of weird and doesn't really work well nowadays, but I really get a lot of the Polar Express still. Um, Surprisingly, I'm surprised we well nobody spoke about that, but at the same time, yeah, I, I like I like it. I I watch it like if it, if I see it um, on TV or something yeah during christmas and it's it's good like it's got a good message and stuff and tom hanks is great but uh the song in it believe is a band yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, that's another song that i'm like on the radio just jamming out (laughs) believe in what your heart okay i mean if the animation was better and held up better then yeah it would be in higher regard i think yeah exactly more people would probably want to watch it and so on yeah um, and Christian, you mentioned this earlier, the year without a Santa Claus was also my honorable mentions. So Toby, what about you? I have three that I would like to mention. Um, Home Alone 3. Now Home Alone 3, 
is like very like low rated, but I love it. Like it doesn't have like the heart and stuff as much, but it's like I find it really funny. Like it doesn't have Kevin, it doesn't have like the same villains, but it's fun. So, and I also wanted to mention uh, Bell's Enchanted Christmas. I mm. saw it for the first time last year. Beauty and the Beast is my favorite movie ever. So I just, I love these characters. And then uh, there's a song in it. Um, what's it called? I forget what it's called, but there's a song in it. And I, I listen to it uh, sometimes. I can't, I can only find it on YouTube though. And then uh, the last one I want to mention is um, Eight Crazy Nights. It's not wow. Christmas, but it, I just find it hilarious. You know, Whitey and they're just, I don't know. It's funny. Technical foul. <laughs> exactly. I don't remember what we were watching the other day, but like Toby brought it up and I broke down laughing. Yes, I forget what it was, but. And I'm like, we haven't watched it this year. Yes, definitely. Was the song for Bells and Chain of Christmas as long as there's Christmas? I think it's called, uh... here, I have it in my review. It's like stories time or something oh like it's called stories i see it it's just called stories. stories that's what it is okay i looked at the soundtrack <laughs> oh there you go christian what about you all right so i have what is this like eight seven i know oh. sorry everybody um, you're fine these are in no particular order whatsoever um so one, I have Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, which is a Jim Henson Muppet vehicle. Um, it's very, like Jim Henson, he knew how to tug at the heartstrings. It's a very poignant Christmas special. I'm hoping to get Toby and I to watch it this year. Um, really cute stuff. Uh, Krampus, which is, Ooh. I had to put like a horror movie on here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't really think I've seen a whole lot of good Christmas horror movies, but Krampus was, like, actually decent. It, right, and there's that little animated sec- yeah. section that's like, what? It's, that's like, great. funny, but it's also terrifying. Right. Like, the ending yeah. is great. Okay, so Brett's seen it. All right, that's yeah. good then. So, like, this is a movie that I really want to watch again, because I think I've only seen it once, but would watch again. It's very underrated. Um... A film called Eight Women. Bonjour, because it's from France and it has everybody's fave, Isabelle Huppert, in it. Um, yeah, let me just read you the plot. Eight women gathered to celebrate Christmas in a snowbound cottage, only to find the family patriarch dead with a knife in his back. Trapped oh. in the house, every woman becomes a suspect, each having her own motive and secret. Yeah, I have to watch this. Well, I just wanted to put that out there because, again, with a foreign movie, it's not really as well known. But yeah. for listeners out there, maybe they'll be like, "Oh, yeah, I'll go see it." But really interesting stuff. Another one, Arthur Christmas. I don't know if either of you have seen it. Very underrated animated film about Santa's son trying to get the presents out there. I was shook by it. Would see it again. The Bishop's Wife. Love that film. Cary Grant. Loretta Young, David Niven. Also, The Preacher's Wife, which is the remake with Whitney Houston and Denzel Washington. Good stuff. Uh, Christmas Story, which you all spoke about. Yes, it's still honorable mentions. I like it, just not top 10 liking it. <laughs> Home Alone, um, also spoken about. Again, like Toby says, the second one is a little bit more Christmas feeling. This is just set during Christmas. 
And then my final one that I have to put out there, which might be controversial, who cares though, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm. Yeah, I thought about mentioning that one. Because it is a Christmas movie. Thank you very much. Yes, it is. I'm just glad none of us mentioned Die Hard, if I'm being honest. Oh, I forgot. And uh, (laughs) Die Hard. Uh, One, I forgot. I I have to mention it because I just thought of it. Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. Really delightful animated movie. um, Or three little anthology films. So... Toby, have you seen that? I have not. Disney Plus. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, we have counted down our top 10 Christmas films of all time. Um, like I said, we're filming this November 19th. So when we get this out, you have a good solid month to check some of these out if you haven't already. Um, again, follow us on Facebook, Letterboxd, Twitter, Instagram. Um, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, drop us a rating or review. It really helps us with reaching out, finding a wider audience. So um, you find us on any other streaming platform where you listen to podcasts. And we really appreciate you listening. Um, Toby, thanks so much for joining us for this. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Toby. So yes, um, coming forward, we have a lot going on, as I mentioned. Oscar season is officially upon us, so we'll be pretty busy with that. Christian, uh, I'm sure will be very busy with screener season coming up. Um, but coming forward, we also have the end of the decade coming up. So we're hoping to have some bonus episodes for that. So be looking out for those. Christian, any final thoughts? I got nothing except I am excited to start watching Christmas movies because I don't start until after Thanksgiving like a normal person. <laughs> Yes, and, I'm excited too. And I have some Hallmark movies recorded, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you all for listening once again. Really appreciate it. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gilded Films Podcast. The music was composed by Joshua Arnoldi. You can look out for future episodes of the podcast by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. You can also check out our website, gildedfilms.com. If you could rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate it. You can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. We thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode and be sure to tune in next time. Thanks.